On this episode, we talk to Josh Davis, owner of 16th Street Bar in Chicago, and Brown and Balance, a community organization that celebrates and showcases black bar and hospitality professionals. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Great seeing you. I appreciate it. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, we're drinking a Hennessy Pure White coconut oil fat washed um and then i used a, a lime oleo and uh some ginger bitters and like one dash of angostura to make basically an old-fashioned with all the pina colada flavors i love it yeah i mean and, you know you putting two great things together yeah you can't go wrong and it, and it was just sort of like screwing around with things yeah. like hey think tropical right. we want tropical drinks with pure wet i was like okay yeah, tro- got tropical it. but still a little spirit forward Hennessy yeah. comes through heavily, you know what I mean? So, beautiful. Genius. So, uh, welcome to my podcast of uh, <laughs> bartenders in bars with booze. Welcome to my bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Brilliant. So, where are we? We are at 16th Street Bar in South Loop of Chicago. It's the, uh, I always say it's Chicago's best kept secret. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I love coming in here. I've already started with a yeah, we, pecan cold brew with yes. Hennessy. That worked yes, out really yes, well yes, so far. Yes, yes, yes. Because we're early in the day to be drinking old fashions. But, uh, <laughs> you know. but, you know, it's never too early for some Hennessy. Yeah, so talk to me about, you know, how you got here. Like, what, what was your journey in this industry? For the industry? Uh, yeah. Honestly, I got here by accident. It was all accident. Uh, this was nothing. None of this was planned. I didn't see any of this coming. Um, at the time, I was 20, 24. And I'll be 44 next week, which is still crazy to me. But I was 24. Um, I needed to do some different things in life. I have my son, who's now getting ready to be 21, which is crazy to me. You, you've actually seen him through social media grow up, basically. Yeah. Um, I had him, and I was like, I got to make some different changes in life. And uh, I got into the industry. I started off as a security guard. I was a bouncer. And I got thrown behind the bar one night. We were short, like three bartenders at a spot not too far from here called Cactus. Uh, it's not there anymore. But um, the owner was like, I just need a warm body. I'm going to put you in the back bar. I'll give you a you know a waitress, whatever. You're probably just going to serve water and beer all night. Busiest night of my life, literally. Like, I've never made that many drinks since. <laughs> ba- baptism by fire. Man. And I was like, I probably killed a few people, unfortunately, because it was like, <laughs> Like, you remember back in the day, because we're allegedly, o- allegedly, allegedly, but we're older. So you remember when um, Long Island's used to come pre-batched yeah. in the 750s? I didn't know how to make drinks. So whatever people ordered, if I didn't name, recognize it like a Hennessy or like a Jack or something like that, I just poured the Long Island and whatever topper they asked for. So I hope everybody made it home safe that <laughs> night. <laughs> but I had a great time. Um, I didn't have to fight anybody. That's why you were popular. Very. Yeah. That bar was rocking, man. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm making money. This is fun. I don't have to fight. There's no altercations. If I take it serious, who knows, right? My competitive nature kicked in. And uh, I enrolled in bartender school that Monday. And two weeks later, I had a job out in the south suburbs at a upstart bar. One of the young ladies in my class, the owner of the bar, sent her to bartending school to have a bartender for the bar she hired me right on the spot man that's where the story started the players club in uh calumet city uh illinois brilliant yeah man so just over the years just grinding and growing met guys like you that inspired me you know helped me push me on the course and here we are now man almost 20 years later so what was there like a definitive moment where you're like this is this is the future. Like this is like mm-hmm. I'm going all in on this. Like, what, yeah. was there a moment where yeah. it's just like, okay, this works. It's not just like I'm making money now, but I eventually I'm gonna have to grow up, or yeah. you know that proverbial talk that people give you. Like, I, what are you gonna do when you when get you grow? Serious? Yeah, <laughs> I met two guys. I met Daniel De Oliveira. Everybody knows DDO, and I met Charles Jolie. They used to work at a place called, and actually three Todd Apple as well. Um, they worked at a place called Crimson Lounge mm-hmm. here in Chicago, and uh, DDO was the bar manager at Mercadito. And when he was there, I was on a date, and it was funny. He was making drinks and making blue blazers and using fresh juice, and my date was like, why don't you make drinks like that? And my, again, competitive nature kicked right in, and I was like, oh, no, I got to step my game up. I got to get better. So I literally just started following those guys around the city, and we became friends, and they introduced me to Bridget Albert. I took the Academy of Spirits in 2013, 2014, and it just opened up my whole world to, like, mixology. I wasn't just a club bartender anymore. I really wanted to learn how to craft cocktails and really create experiences for our guests. Do do you think, like, the the club side 
helps you even to this day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love craft cocktails, but I made way more money as a club bartender. So did I. So did I. <laughs> way more money. But it helped me with speed. It helped me with efficiency. It helped me thinking on the fly and also helped me deal with guests. Because you know how it is, 3 a.m. in the club. It's everybody's crazy they having fun they, they've been drinking and dancing and it's just a real high energy environment so that helps me translate that to a place like here at 16th where we got one-on-ones with a lot of our guests but even though we have those i'm able to talk to anybody through any situation at any time so i love it man club i think every bartender should start off in like that environment yeah. and it'll really help them grow as they move into craft and, and different things in the industry yeah, I, I think the same. And I, there's days that I miss that man, like man, that club that club man, lifestyle where man. it's like you do math in seven, eights, and nines, or at least in Canada, those would like rail to premium at yep, the club. Yep, yep. And it's like any any number of seven, eight, and nine, I could tell you exactly what you owe me because it was a cash based system back then. Man, those are the days, man. It's like we're older now, and it, I appreciate those days. Like I don't think now in my forties I want to be up till seven, eight in the morning leaving leaving work. But if I could just have one night just, just to relive the star, glory days, star ten for one night. One in the night, club. that's all I want, man. Just give me one night, and I go out <laughs> in the blaze of glory. <laughs> Everybody's like, I want to guest bartend and make like all these crazy cocktails, like. You and I want to guest bartend at a nightclub. Yes, <laughs> just yes, just sling for slinging speed. drinks, man. Yeah. I'm just making vodka sodas. I'm making Hennessy Cokes. I'm just rocking out, and we're just having fun. Like, I think as much as I love the growth in the industry, I think those were, like, my, my most favorite days of working because I didn't have a care in the world. It was just being that really dope bartender that everybody loved. And well, well, I think somebody I was just in Barcelona for a new cocktail festival coming out. Uh, this was their first year, Bon Vivant's Festival. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and on a panel talking about, you know, people asking questions ahead mm-hmm. of time through an app. And one of them was like, you know, I'm just getting in. I'm not like great at these. Co- like, I'm not good at crafting like new ideas mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, can I still succeed? And I was like, yeah, like cocktails to me are 5%. They're the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. If you know how to do them, mm-hmm. you can get a lot of notoriety. Absolutely. Or at least you could have, like back in our day, you could have gotten a lot more. There was less, it was less people, people in the game. It, right. But... Nowadays, you know, even still, there's so many people doing it already. What I think separates a lot of people is hospitality. Yes. Like if you can, I can, you can just talk to people. To make yeah. a drink. I, my 13-year-old son knows how to make a drink. Yeah. You know, he's at home. He gets his little Lipton iced teas and juices, and he's like, Dad, look. And he's literally using the jigger with all non-alcoholic yeah. stuff, and he's trying to do it. So I'm like, with the proper training, anybody can make a drink, but not everybody can have that that connection. That presence, guests, yeah. man, that hospitality. Like that's... I feel is ninety percent of our business. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's hospitality is ninety five percent cocktails and just five percent your mental health and you know yeah. things like that. So that's how I look at it. And, and I think the club thing taught me like I was looking beside like to my left and right. Uh, well, until I was the head bartender, and then it's like everybody's on my left because yes, I was everybody. the right corner. Mm-hmm. But uh, all you know, beautiful women. Some yes. of them. One of them was my, you know best friend to this day she was in my mm-hmm. wedding party that's dope and man. uh also congrats on that thank too, you man but i was looking at her and looking at everyone else i was with and i was like uh if i take more clothes off it's gonna be a problem yes no one wants that <laughs> so uh, i need to make better drinks and like have that you know that yeah. even if it's one sentence to mm-hmm. everybody just mm-hmm. like bring a smile to their face yep. or make sure they're taken care of even at the club i was like that's great and then eventually i realized like this isn't what I want. Like I don't, I don't want to make any more, you know, vodka energy drinks. Yeah, no more redheaded I, sluts I, yeah, and I, things I, like I, that. I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to delve into like, which whiskey do you want? Like, mm-hmm. how can I guide you on this journey? Which cognac? Mm-hmm. Which how to, better or not better? Different forms of hospitality. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, I was already fast as lightning. Yeah. Same. And same. Uh, I'm not that fast. No I more, couldn't. Though. I couldn't get. Yeah. So uh, even to this day, like when. When all the, you know, quote unquote mixologists like put the bottle upside down like mm. with a finger, I'm like, I can't, I don't yeah. do that. No. That I don't pour that way. It's not me no more. I right on just boom. boom. Yep. Yep. If, if you want to drink pretty, the end result will be pretty. <laughs> right. But getting M- there, me getting there, no. is going to be fast and efficient. Yeah. But you're not. <laughs> you don't want a video of me making it. Nah, you yeah, want same. a picture of the end result. Same. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like we're here, like on a Friday night. 
like I can get fast and I get efficient when I need to, but I think now I think it's just like being a basketball player. I think we think the game better and we set ourselves up for uh, success more than just that back in the day when you just boom, 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 you just rolling. Mm-hmm. Now I just set everything up so I don't have to think. Yeah. So even when I am busy, I'm just grabbing. I'm never taking my eyes off the guests. I'm just going and going and going now. So, D- Different schools are, yeah. are, are different. The one I went to just taught you a pile of like drinks. I didn't actually want to be a bartender. I went really? to a bartending school because a buddy of mine wanted to. Really? Uh, a guy had like, you know, made you know was in drama with all through mm. high school we made movies we were both going to film school and he was like i'm gonna be a bartender to you know That's help crazy. my way through school and he found a course that was like 200 bucks it was like yep. half price yep. for uh <laughs> like four four fridays in a row yep. for the summer um and uh, and one of the fridays you got to you'd mix with lick like Colored, colored, water, yep, colored water except one day you had to mix with actual spirits because really? you had to learn to like layer Okay. So, ah, okay. so you okay, got okay. to drink free for one day. Is where my mind went. Right. Hey, let's go I was hang like, out. <laughs> so, two hundred bucks. I drink free for a night. My 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 tab. two hundred dollars. Normally right at a bar is yeah. gonna be something like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so did that, but then learned like I don't like none of these drinks matter. Mm-hmm. And my mother is somebody who believes like all education you should at least use it. Mm-hmm. And she said, "What are you doing? You're like just do you, it. You yeah. don't you don't work in the night." Go go, do go it. try it. So I started serving at a place, mm-hmm. and that place was had a rocking Monday night, like a little pub, yeah. a rocking Monday night, because they had this band that was signed to Sony. Oh wow! That got signed from there, so they kept going there. Oh wow! To do a Monday night, that's so dope, um, man. like their Monday that's was dope. bigger than their Saturday. That's, that's crazy how you didn't want to be a bartender and look at what you're doing now. Like, totally, that's amazing. Man. But then yeah. I fell in love. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I think you're the same. Like you mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't envision yeah. this. No, nah, I had no idea this was going to happen. And then even the growth in the industry, accolades, all that. I, I'll be like. We got in at the right time, though. We did. Because, because if we got in now, oh, yeah. it'd be a dog fight for yeah. everything. Yeah. You know I mean? Well, there's 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 so many more uh, doing it. Like mm-hmm. everywhere now yeah, needs a cocktail a list. Everybody's yeah. a bartender. Everybody. Everybody. Whereas we were coming up at a time where. I remember the same eight to ten people mm-hmm. in every competition mm-hmm. in Toronto, mm-hmm. and Here's Toronto. Chicago, same thing. And you were probably very much like I think Chicago and Toronto are very sister very cities same. in a lot of way. And we didn't have a, a Dale DeGroff. We didn't have anybody that was above it. We were just all learning in our own, like yeah. reading old books. Charles and, was it? Like yeah. Charles Lynn, Lynn House, Love Lynn, Charles, and uh, Josh Pearson. Those were the three. Like me and Josh Pearson, I love Josh to this day. That's my guy. But he was my – every competition I get in, I would lose to him. Mm-hmm. And so when I – the final competition I won, I won it in 2015. It was Cap Pisco. And he didn't get in it. And I won it, and I said, that's it. I'm not competing anymore. I'm going out on top. Go out on <laughs> I'm top. I'm going out yeah, on yeah. top. <laughs> drop, drop the mic, walk off stage. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> I love that. So I think you mentioned like losing at the Hennessy comp. Yes. I think so much comes from that because I – I got the Hennessy gig because I lost at the Belvedere Comp. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! So I ended up working for Hennessy that whole summer, like that whole summer. So that worked Lala, out. Um, Nas parties. That's when Nas first signed on with Hennessy. Uh, got to go hang out with Nas for. You know, I'm like, oh well. I mean, the loss wasn't that bad, but I was still upset. I lost, yeah. man. Still, I know. Yeah, still I mad. Know. Like to this day, I'm still a little, a little, <laughs> a little upset. <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm super competitive too. I'm still mad. I lost the Belvedere Comp. And that would have made, if I'd won, I would have been the Belvedere ambassador for one year oh, wow. to travel globally because Claire Smith mm-hmm. was Claire. Uh, was getting too involved with the production okay. of Belvedere, okay. like all their flavors and their you know artisanal flavors and yeah, whatnot, yeah, yeah. that she needed somebody to to help with the workload of like going and actually training bartenders. Oh, wow. Because the PR for Belvedere and, and the, the creation was mm-hmm. taking up a lot of her time. So- they needed somebody else, so Ali Didanenko ended up winning, wow. um, and and moved out to London to be the global the, the other global ambassador for Belvedere okay. with Claire, and, and it was great. And I was like, I like Belvedere, I like vodka, but at very specific times. Like my grandparents are all Scottish, so I got mm-hmm. into this game, you know, because of the aforementioned, yeah. you know, bartender training and everything. And I fell in love, but like, I loved alcohol because Scotch, like intrigued me like how do these two single malts mm-hmm. taste different and they're apparently made in the same, same valley yeah you know yeah um so it would have been cool to be paid to travel the world mm-hmm. for an alcohol company i thought that's great but then 
Hennessy called me four days later. Yeah, I mean, you can't. And I was just like, and my dog's name was Hennessy at the time. Nice. Yeah, Hennessy's iconic, man. It was was perfect. It was a brown spirit. And what I... What I loved about bartending was I loved the education side. Yep. Where, you know, whatever the hook was to get your trust as a consumer, mm-hmm. then we can take it and okay, show you show new you things. What it really is. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, I don't like gin. Cool. Taught, let me show you gin. You taught the cognac class, I think, 2010 or 2011, Portland Cocktail Week. That was the first mm-hmm. time I ever met you. I actually still got a picture from there. I'm going to send it to you when I get home. Um, yeah, still got it. you taught us that at uh, Portland Cocktail Week, and I was like, "Wow, I, I loved." Cognac. Oh, is that when I got up in the BNIC seminar? Because yes. people, yes. people saw me in the back of the room. They're yeah, like, and oh. we were like, "No, get Jordan in the front." Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that was the first time I ever met you. So I loved cognac before that, but then you helped me, you know, open my eyes up to just the whole category as a whole. So yeah, I appreciate and, that. And well, thank you for that because what I've loved about it is that what I realized, like, I got ten percent ability to educate behind the bar, mm-hmm. and Ninety percent, you know, hospitality, getting to create new drinks, getting that like immediate gratification mm-hmm. of somebody being like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever tasted." Yeah, it's the greatest drink I ever had until they drink the next one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I lost some of that. Like I, okay. my job is not a lot of that. Yeah, it's but there's still some of that, but not in front of consumers. Right. It's getting a bartender to taste their first VSOP Sazerac mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like all the education. Yeah. And with cognac, mm-hmm. I get to educate so much more mm-hmm. than yeah. I would yeah. if it were a gin or a whiskey. No offense to them. It's just yeah, there's absolutely. so many more educators there. They've done a better job of of educating everybody yeah. on it. Like there's a lot of bartenders that already know gin, mm-hmm. that already know vodka, mm-hmm. that already know at least a whiskey. Right, right. And right. so. I if mean, I, we got a whole camp. Yeah, for if, whiskey, I, if I'm you know another I mean? whiskey, my job is to tell you how I'm different. Right, from everybody. For cognac, else. it's. You're going to be the first one to talk to anybody about a great base spirit. Mm-hmm. So y- you better know the entire category. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you told I, the one line I remember you always told us was like, there's no such thing as a bad cognac. There's no. different ones, but it's not a bad one. And I, that always stuck with me. Because yeah. lo- like I said, I love cognac. My, my uncles, my dads, they all drank cognac. Like that was just our thing. Like, I mean, in the black community, especially, Hennessy is a staple. That's an mm-hmm. icon. It goes all the way back to World War II. With the with them soldiers came home, they brought Hennessy back. Before. Even before. Yeah, well, yeah. see, I only went back to World War II. So yeah. that's where the education comes yeah. in. So you could tell me more. You know yeah. what I mean? 1896, Hennessy wow. uh, helped. Well, I, I mean, it's been around for it's longer around than forever. that. But like 1896, uh, the uh, third generation of the Hennessy family and our distributor in the States, who was um, William J. Shefflin, mm-hmm. uh Looked around New York, and these were kind of really religious men, believed all men are created equal, mm-hmm. you know, saying men because that was the saying back then, right. but like all people created equal. Right. Um, they put their money where their mouth was because they realized the deplorable working conditions of uh, black people in New York, mm-hmm. where their office was. And uh, they started a nonprofit wow. that um, we know today, after it merged with several other nonprofits to fight for like more than just the black working rights, mm-hmm. but for more rights. Uh, we know dope. that, we know that uh, nonprofit today is the Urban League. Mm-hmm. And wow. so Hennessy, or Hennessy and Shefflin helped That's found crazy. the Urban I, League. I didn't know that. Wow. And then at the same time, uh, William J. Shefflin was close personal friends to Booker T. Washington mm. and took people down on his personal train, which was the private jet of the day, right. to Tuskegee Institute wow. to uh, help build that. And I was doing... Uh, cognac education in san diego mm-hmm. and I had a gentleman sitting at the bar and he asked me like what's hennessy's connection to hip-hop mm-hmm. and i kind of answered like this whole thing yeah and and he went oh yeah uh and he was smiling the whole time and i went you knew this why'd you ask he was a tuskegee alumnus oh wow and they showed him that in school and that's I was amazing like, that's great so because in the early 1900s hennessy was also one of the first corporate uh, sponsors of the NAACP. I didn't know that. And then it goes forward into True. Second World War, right. the Black Soldiers, you know, all, all of these things. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, I got to do some more research then. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. There's, there's a documentary out there somewhere about okay. it. Yeah. It's got to be on YouTube or some TikTok yeah. or something somewhere. Yeah. So we'll find out. Yeah. But it goes, it, it, it just goes further and further. And it's just one of those things that, like, Hennessy is, everybody looks at, especially in North America and the U.S., particularly Hennessy is hip hop. Yep, absolutely. But, Hennessy has been in one of my favorite stats is Hennessy has been in a hundred 
uh, in 38 countries since wow. 1900. Like in 1900, it was 138. Now it's over 150. Wow. But uh, that means we've been in most cultures and most mm-hmm. countries around the world for multiple generations, mm-hmm. meaning we've been adopted yep. by different cultures and different ways of drinking. And yep. so when you go down to like even Mexico, yeah. it's different. Hennessy drinking culture than here mm-hmm. and it's a different in Europe and it's different in like Japan. Malaysia it's different yeah. in Japan yeah. it's like Japan used to be our number one market in the yeah. world so it's it's like everybody just views the views their own circle mm-hmm. and goes that's what this is yep. it's like no it is look at the world like yeah. everybody looks everybody, at it differently everybody yeah. knows that label man that's an, yeah. it's just an iconic spirit I man I love it so like I said that's it was my first cognac I ever had, so I feel good about that. So, uh, it wasn't mine. Nah, but it will be my last one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. great way. To, great uh, way to put o- that. Only because I had a father, or like a a friend whose father. Um, I was friends with the the sister was in my grade, and the mm-hmm. brother was uh, younger. Okay. And but I played football with him. I were in high school, and so we were, I was friends with both of them. Okay. And we got along well, and so like I went over there for like I think it was like a Christmas Eve. Or something like that, mm-hmm. and and the father was like, Jordan, do you do you want something to drink? And right. poured me uh, Remy XL. It's not a bad way to start, and, but that was a, yeah. I mean, I had no, I had no basis of comparison right, at that point. Right. Like you come time. out of high school and you're just yeah, we like, don't know. We've been we've been you know consuming, yeah. but yeah. like not not Alleged, with a, allegedly, not, not, allegedly not with like a palate in mind. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You're not you're right. not you're not you're not doing the blind tasting that you do today, right? <laughs> right. You know? So right. you're just like, oh this is good. I was just more like, oh, he's offered me a drink and it's like that's polite, like yeah. amazing. That's but uh, uh that was I couldn't have compared it to later on when right. I started like using it and playing with it in drinks and, mm-hmm. and then what I've done today. But I think it's important to try more than one Abs- thing and absolutely that's the one thing about cognac. There's just There's so you, many you options. would you would never open a whiskey bar with one, one whiskey. whiskey, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. like, oh, I've summarized Scotch with Ardbeg. It's like, no, you <laughs> no. haven't. You're missing, yeah, yeah. like, because people try so that and they might missing. go, like, oh, I really love Scotch or I right. really hate Scotch. I right. don't want to. And we love Ardbeg yeah. around here. So, but, but like, know. if you, if that were your only reference your base for of, what yeah. Scotch was, you'd be like, well, you are so far off on so what far the rest off, of the yeah. world is. You know, it's yeah. like if Booker's bourbon is your first bourbon. Yeah. And you come from like a vodka soda world, you're in a lot of trouble. You're you're in a whole new lane that you have no yeah. idea where you are. So I get it. I get it. I understand that. So what's talk to me about um how how did Brown and Balance start? Mm-hmm. And like what are you doing with that? Another accident. <laughs> Literally another happy accident. Happy accident. Another accident. Yeah, man. Shout out to Kate. Yeah, happy accidents. Um we used to, uh, I was working with Lush Life, and um, we were on the road. We did the, the Bar Institute Econo. We did like 30 cities in like 35 days. It was crazy. Felt like a rapper. I was living out of a suitcase. It was dope. And uh, it was like 5 in the morning. We were, I think we were in between Philly and New York. And I just woke up in the van and was like, I got an idea. I want to do a black event, black bartenders, black DJs, black chefs. I just want to do that and just showcase. Like if we can go around all these cities we have all these other educators. Let's do something for our culture. And everybody on the bus said, go back to sleep and let's talk about it tomorrow because we're fucking tired. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Went back to sleep. I woke up the next morning. I just started drawing it out and was like, yo, let's, let's just I find a new young black talent. Like you said, we always used to see the same people in competitions. I used to see the same black bartenders um, with opportunities. Like, and a shout out to you for always giving me opportunities over the years. I appreciate them. But it was like you would take me or Tiffany Barrier or Aaron Joseph or it'd only be like the same seven, eight people. And I was like, there's another crop of young bartenders yeah. who just need the opportunity. They need to be seen. And I'm going to be the guy that's going to do it. I'm going to use whatever my voice is that I have in this industry, and I'm going to push that next generation forward. And uh, August 31st. 2017, we did the very first one at Shoals in Deep Ellum, Texas, black-owned restaurant. Uh, Omar Yifun, his restaurant, myself and Micah Anderson, uh, stood there, and we didn't have any idea what we were doing. No sponsorship for real. We had a 200-person party, and they gave us six bottles. <laughs> and we just rocked out and made it happen. And from that, I was like, well, if people are going to support this, I gotta, we got to see it through. So now, six years later, we've done 30 events all across the country, um, New York, New um, York. San Diego, 
Um, working on Miami right now. I, can't, I, I have to do one in Miami because it's Miami. Um, but Hennessy has been a sponsor. Arbeg has been a sponsor. So thank you guys for all the support. And it's just now from just being a party, I want to move it more into conversations like this. I want to really get the stories of black bartenders out there because a lot of times, especially a city like Chicago, it's a super segregated city, right? Like I live on the south side. I'm a proud south sider. A lot of bartenders from the north end, northwest side, they don't come out south. And that's okay. And a lot of us don't go way up there. It's just the way we were raised, the way we were taught in this city. We kind of stay in your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of talent in all these neighborhoods. And I just really want to get their stories out. And I want people to see, like, hey, I didn't get the good job to work at the aviary fresh out of bartending school. I didn't, I didn't do that. I worked at a hole-in-the-wall lounge where I didn't even have a cash register. I had a cash box, and we just made it happen. But we created some of the dopest most talented bartenders out of places like that and i really want those stories to be told instead of us just seeing the finished product right people see me now and it's like wow he's accomplished and he's this and he's that i'm like yeah but i have very very humble beginnings you know what i mean i i worked at some of the shittiest bars you could think of but i've had some of the best times and the best relationships with people at those bars so that's what the next iteration of brown and balance is becoming like let's get these conversations out let's get these stories out not just party and celebrate the bartenders but let's really get to know them and let's just see how we all can work together and kind of bridge that gap in the industry and make the industry a little bit better overall that's beautiful thank and, you and i think it's that's the other thing it's like we need to it's helping legitimize this industry for a whole new mm-hmm. generation where they say like oh if i can't go work at uh, the aviary yeah. right out like what's the point yeah. it's like well there's tons of points there's tons of points you know that, that TGI how, Friday's bartender yeah. is just as good as the rest of us I mean they, how, how mm-hmm. many chefs came from the same thing like I always look at our industry and I follow the chefs mm-hmm. and it's like you know when there's good food yep. they want good drinks Yep. you know there's no sense drinking a you know a simple mixed drink when you have award winning food exactly. beside you it's like exactly. you want something to balance that right and uh, when you look at their trajectory, mm. you know, no one knew a chef's name nah, 30 nobody. years ago, never 40 saw years him. ago. Never saw him. Now? You just heard him, but you never saw him. Now everybody <laughs> knows a chef name. Everybody knows a it's chef. It's like restaurant, bye. Yep. So yep. and so. And it's, it's a little bit harder to put media out there around alcohol mm-hmm. for legal reasons. Legal reasons, reasons. yeah. But I get it. it's still happening. Yeah. Like we've got shows on Netflix now. Yes. Yeah, shows on Hulu and everything. And multiple. Shows on Netflix with three Brown and Balance alumni bartenders competing and one won it. So I'm like, I feel great. Like they all came up through the ranks and they all have their own movements and organizations. It's not, you know, me trying to take credit for them, but I saw something in I could just say LP. The first time I ever met her, she did the Brown and Balance in DC and I was like, Yo, I think you just dope. Yeah. And I've seen the things she's done in this industry since. It's like I I saw it. Five years ago, and now yeah. I'm so happy that she's getting all the things that she deserved from you. You're just spotting talent now. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. I'm yeah. just I'm an agent now, man. That's all. I'm just trying to get it. the The final form, though, of Brown and Balance is something I definitely wanted to speak about. Um, I got checker passed. I got a lot of uh, partners and homeboys, and my brother, and they all have done some things that that weren't necessarily the best things in life to do. But what I really want to do is I want to start. Not just identifying bartenders, but some of the young guys coming out of like the juvenile home, some of the guys that's coming home from jail, and teaching them and showing them hospitality as an alternative. Um, most of those guys, not they're not going to work no nine to five. They're not going to sit behind the desk because they don't know that world, but they know the hustle and bustle, and that's all we do. I, I don't know that world. You know what I'm saying? I, I like, do it I, I, I can't yeah. sit behind the desk. It's, yeah. it's funny now, like doing spreadsheets and all that. I'll be at home like, what the fuck? I got in this industry, so I didn't have to do this, and now I'm doing it more now. Yeah. Never, but I really want to start getting them like them 18, 19 year old kids that we read about on the news that just don't have anything to do, and have anywhere to go, and nobody's gonna give them a job because of decisions they've had they've had to make for themselves. So this is a job where I can show you, hey, you could be Jordan, you could be me, you could be Jackie, you could be Clyde Davis, you could be Ian, you could be any of these guys. That's the final form of Brown and Brownness, I think. It's, that's uh, it's gonna happen, man. So I'm working on how I want to put it together now, but that's definitely something that's that's coming soon. It's a it's an industry where no one planned on being here. Yep. And, and it's a bunch of misfits. Yeah. 
where we don't like when you're eight years old, everybody's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like professional athlete, lawyer, firefighter, you know, doctor, you know, anything like that. And and you travel the world and and now it's and now it's like you started bartending and who knows where that's going to go. We don't even know where the ceiling is yet. There is none. And so it's what is that? Um, You know, I sit in some meetings where I'm just like, why do you like I, I look around? I'm like. Somebody here is is looking at me, going, "Why is the bartender here?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way all the time. Yep. And so, honestly, you've laughed about my suits before, in, in positive ways. But like, yeah, I saw you without I, a honestly, suit once. My, my my suit is is my armor. Because mm-hmm. I go into these meetings and I'm like, I'm like, if I'm dressed better than yep. everybody in the meeting, <laughs> yeah. then what can you say? What can you say? To you? Yeah, yeah, I know. I saw you without a suit once. Changed my life, bro. I just put that out there. <laughs> it was really hot. Yeah, no, can't, we were, can't run the mug. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I really didn't want to see you in a suit. I showed up in a suit. I changed before I walked <laughs> out to see everybody. But that's dope, and I, I, I love that about you. Like, again, I, I talk to my young guys. Like, yo, you could be Jordan. Jordan's dope. Jordan gets to travel the world and drink and talk about Hennessy yeah. all day long. That is a wonderful job. And now you're transitioning into doing something else. There's, like you said, there's no ceiling. We yeah. can be anything we want to be. I never thought Brown and Balance would be anything. I thought it'd be a fun party. We have some fun, introduce people to, to black culture through drinks, and that would be it. Now it's morphing and moving into things. I had no idea. So it's just continually going and going and going to one day told my son, hey, I'll leave it to you. You can take it and you can make it what you want it to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this is one of the best industries in the world. I love this industry. It supported relationships like this. Um, and there's no telling where we're going to go next. Yeah, and I think on the relationship front with hospitality, it's a you can go anywhere in the world and you sort of put that proverbial bartender card down on a table and you're taken care of. Everywhere. In a different way, no matter Everywhere. where you are, yep. no matter Everywhere. you know what language, it's yep. like, hey, I do this too, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a camaraderie. I understand. Yeah. Or, or what I do is like uh, me and me and the lady, we went to Memphis a couple of months ago. I walk in the bar, I say, "Can I get the Boulevardier," and they was like, "You industry." I was like, yeah. They was like, yeah, because nobody orders that here. <laughs> and I was like, well, can I get one? They was like, yeah, I got you. And then from that point, the next three days. I had dinner at that place. I met the owner. We're going to do a brand of balance in Memphis down there at that place. Like, so now, those, like I said, those relationships is like, what, what can come from that? You know what I mean? Like, what can we do next? Like, that owner might open up somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. And he's like, hey, Josh, I need you to help me with this, this, and that. Yeah. And we're just literally just making the whole industry better. You know what I mean? So that's all I care about. I just yeah. want it to be better whenever I leave and whenever we're gone and we're the old guys and we move to other things. I just want it to be in better hands than it was when we got it. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, there's a lot, this industry is beautiful, but there's a lot of, uh, yeah. there's a lot of hardship here because it's, I think um, that documentary or, well, I don't know what to call it, movie documentary, uh, Hey Bartender. Yeah, Hey Bartender. Uh, yeah. The only thing I remember from that is a line that Dale DeGroff said in it. Mm-hmm. And it said, this industry can give you everything you've ever dreamed of. But you got to be careful because it can also take it yeah, all away. Snatch it all away. One mistake yeah. is all it takes. And it's a it's a very um, beautiful industry in a lot of ways. But it's like we're, you know, we're a bunch of mis- There's not one way of of mm-hmm. dealing with this industry. There's mm-hmm. just nuanced ways. Yeah. And it's uh, it's very interesting. I even love the guys that like that have gone sober. You know, the Nectales, the Giuseppe's, mm-hmm. guys I've always looked up to that they've gone sober and they haven't missed a beat. So that whole, you know, I remember I used to say it, and I was guilty of it when I was a young bartender. Oh, I don't trust a bartender that doesn't drink. Well, now I know two of the best in the world that don't drink. So now it's opened my eyes to different things. Like, okay, well, you know what? I could do an NA, or I can do a low ABV. I I don't have to drink all night. I don't have to do this. So to keep those mistakes down, you know what I mean? Because really, really fast at a Tales or at MCC back in the day and things like that, you know, we've all heard stories of different people and different things. It's like now I'm glad that – there's a little bit of responsibility. Yeah. Like I said, by us all being mm-hmm. misfits, we never had that uh, mentor code of ethics. Hey, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. We all kind of trial by fire, mm-hmm. figured it out. And now we have people like us to say, okay, look, I did all of that, guys. Y'all don't have to. You can go home. I just told all the bartenders for a camera on the muck next week. I was like, hey, guys, best advice I'm going to give you, you don't have to finish every drink. Yeah. You I don't say, have to. I say a similar thing for Tails. I said, listen. Unless it's the best drink in the world. Yeah. 
that you've ever had. You do not have to put, put it down. You'll yeah. get another one for free. Yeah. The next spot. Or find me. Yeah. I'll buy you yeah, one. Yeah, we'll get you uh, one, But man. also, every time you leave your hotel room, the first thing you do when you get to Tails, go buy a case of water. Yep. Yep. Buy whatever you, you, you like to keep you hydrated, Gatorade, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Every time you leave that hotel room, you bring a bottle of water with yep. you. Absolutely. And you finish it. Absolutely. If you forget something, your sunglasses, something like that, you go back to the hotel room, guess what? Now you have two bottles now of water. Now you have two. Right? Every time. Yep. You, every time. Yeah. And the other thing, which I think helped me get to where I am, don't get stuck hanging out with all the people you already know. Mm-hmm. You're at an industry mm-hmm. event, go meet new people. Yep. Everybody's nice. Yep. Everybody's industry. Yep. Well, not everybody's nice. Well, not everybody's Most people nice, are nice <laughs> so, and, and are happy to meet new people Absolutely. and happy to make a connection. Absolutely. So when I first started with Hennessy, I, I went to San Diego or San Francisco the first time and I knew all the guys from, you know, like Trick Dog and all mm-hmm. that because I'd met them at Tails mm-hmm. through a friend in New York who introduced me who had come from San Francisco and then boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You know everybody. It's like don't, you know, I had friends from Toronto come down years, years after I'd started mm-hmm. going to Tails. And they're like, oh, we're going to go hang out with this bartender from Toronto. Uh, they're going to do this. Mm. I was like, you don't hang out with that bartender in Toronto. Home. Exactly. Why are you going to New Orleans to hang yeah. out with them? Yeah, same. Like, go, go meet new people. Yeah, same. Because now whenever you're traveling, whenever you're moving around, now you have friends, again, exactly. everywhere. And you have people that look out for you and people can take care of you. Yeah, you just walk so. up to somebody and be like, hey, where you, where you from? Where you from? Yeah, what, where are you, what from? are you doing? I never hang out with the Chicago guys when I'm out of town. It's like I see y'all all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, can, I can see you next Tuesday. Yeah, literally, come by fine. on Friday. I'll be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, you making a drink? I can. Would you like yeah. me to make a drink? Yeah. Oh, well, let's do it, man. Uh, You know what? Let's just go classic. Would you like a sidecar? Definitely. Actually, I'm going to make a riff on the sidecar. You like passion fruit? Definitely. Let's do that. favorite passion fruit liqueur. There's a second passion fruit liqueur? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, the Holy Grail. Yeah, that's that club pour. (laughs) Not not even a little bit of club pour, I'm just boom, 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 boom. Was that your shake when you were at the club? Not at all. I didn't shake at the club. <laughs> I didn't make a shaking cocktail till probably year five. Cause those club nights, man, we were just rocking out. Cheers, brother. Cheers. So where were we? Uh. Talking about all the things we should and shouldn't do in this industry, man. That tail story is dope. I like that. You're saying this water, Gatorade, whatever, just stay hydrated. Yeah. All the way through. And I think those, those, um, everybody gets so excited about going to these things with so many bartenders, mm-hmm. but you got to remember what the opportunity is. Like, you never know who you're going to meet. You can, you can go, you can go drink irresponsibly anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can stay home and do that. Yeah. But like, you, I would say, like, if you, Nothing good happens after midnight. True. Now, do as I say, not as I do sometimes. <laughs> but uh, my point is, if you sign up for a seminar, like if you if you sober, yeah, and with all good intention, thought that seminar sounds amazing, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to that. That's the night you turn it in early, and then and then you went out late. Yeah, that's the night you go in a little and early. You start questioning yourself the next morning, like, ah, no, is it really going to be that good? Is it really? Mm-hmm. Well, you thought it was a good idea when you before were you were hungover. Exactly. So it's probably still a good idea now. You should go to that. And by the way, you some of these you paid seminars, for it. You paid, yeah, for, you it, paid so for it. You better go. Yeah. Any opportunity you have, if you RSVP for something, you better show, show up. up. There's no there's show no excuse because 
you don't know what that is going to lead to. Like yeah. the connections you make, that could be everything. My my wife likes to say your network is your, is net, your worth. net worth yeah, because it's you never you're going to make. And also, if it's RSVP, especially like trade events, you might have took a spot from somebody who really wanted to be there. Totally. You know what I mean? So somebody who really, really maybe wanted it, needed it, they can't get in now because of you. And then when you don't show up, that's completely disrespectful, one, to the host and also to your fellow colleagues. Yeah. So what? Uh, talk to me about some of your favorite Brown and Balance events. <laughs> uh, Oakland, the first Oakland one in 2018 was amazing. Um, I was able to do it at a friend's bar who came up with Ali Tashini. We both all came up together. Actually, we both were sitting in the class at Portland Cocktail Week. We met you. Uh, that was my favorite one to date. Uh, Atlanta this past year was a five-year anniversary party. Excellent. I was able to utilize friends for this one. The, the DJ and the chef were both really good friends of mine. I was able to do those. Uh, the infamous 2018 Camp Run Amok one. That, you weren't at that one. Thank God. That's just, we're going to just leave it at the yeah. infamous one. Um, that one was great because the first one that can't run amok. It also showed me what not to do for Brown and Balance that can't run amok anymore because it, uh, it, it got a little wild, but it's camp, so it got yeah. a little wild. Um, and the first one in New York. I really love New York. A lot of my family, I, family in New York, family and friends were able to come. Those were, awesome. those were my favorite ones. The pool party in San Diego was fun. Um, first time in San Diego, so that was a good time. And I was able to utilize DJ from Chicago who lives in uh, San Diego is a friend of mine. So the thing, the, the recurring theme is like I try to utilize friends and family yeah. as much as possible so we can create like this little like community of just black creatives for yeah. all the Brown and Balance events. So, But Oakland 2018 is still number one. That was the greatest Brown and Balance ever. Nice. Why? Uh, just the vibe and the energy. Yeah. It was my first time in Oakland. Um, the bartenders brought, they brought it. Like the yeah. bartenders were killing it. The vibe was right. I did the playlist, all Oakland playlist. So all of Oakland came out. And for me, as a guy from Chicago who had never been there before, it was more just people from Oakland than industry in Oakland there. And that really was like, okay, people believe in what this is. Yeah. So I got to keep pushing and, and see where it goes. Yeah, because you've kind of got a, you've kind of got a black cultural thing. Yeah. And an industry thing kind of yeah. combined in yeah. Brown and Balance. And yeah. that's a really beautiful. Connection. And I love seeing it when it's not just industry. Cause I don't, I never wanted to, I'm not an industry guy. That's not me. I never wanted an industry party. You know what I mean? I wanted it just to be an organic vibe that just yeah. people come out. I don't care if you, again, you don't boulevardiers and really crazy cocktails. Or if you just want a Tennessee and Coke, I don't care. I just want you to come have a good time Yeah, and just get immersed in, in, in the moment. Yeah. Brilliant. No, I think that's uh, it's a powerful thing when you can bring people together mm-hmm. and then support people in that way and get Absolutely. people to see different people doing it and and let them let them go. You know, yeah. I've done some events where I've just said, "Make a cocktail with Hennessy." Yeah, like, just what, what else you want? Yeah. Like, uh, do you <laughs> do you yep. or your establishment or whatever yep. it is as a cocktail yeah like, that's it show don't, you up. don't make it to impress yeah. me don't do it just if, if you yourself. do Hennessy and Coke make the best Hennessy and Coke as you can you know where the best Hennessy and Coke is where Mexico really yeah yeah Mexican so, Coke and Hennessy yeah but here's the thing you go to Mexico mm-hmm. and you order a Paris de Noche okay excuse my Spanish yeah, yeah. it's all it's good probably butchered, it's, it's better than mine but it's uh, Paris at night word and what it is is they take uh, like a balloon glass, a snifter, mm-hmm. put ice in it, pour Hennessy in that. Then they take a Coke and they stab it with an ice pick. Like at nightclubs, they might have the cans. Yeah. They'll still stab the underside of it. But <laughs> like it. most of them have like the little bottles of Coke, like uh, probably like 100 yeah, ml. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll stab right through the cap with the ice pick and they'll put their thumb over it, shake it up and spray it into the balloon glass. So it comes out looking like a dark Belgian yeah. beer, like a head on it, like yeah. two inch head on it. Oh, sh- I'm doing it. And and doing then it. it's a Hennessy and Coke underneath that looks like black. I'm doing it. Yeah. And it's- You sold me. You just made a Hennessy and Coke, but you made it with this such elaborate way. I might do that this weekend that, at home. That, it, that, it, that it, it excites people. Yeah. So I've done it at like little like pubs in Mexico. Really? All the way up to nightclubs. You order a Paris de Noche and they all know how to do it. I'm doing it. I'm done. So I've got a video of somebody in a pub making it. Really? Like classic wood bar. Right. You know, they're wearing a vest and a right. white shirt and everything. <laughs> and he's just... And then all the way up to a nightclub doing the same thing. 
Oh, they sold me. Yeah, with the lasers going on. I love and house, it. You're like, oh, it's crazy. And that's the experience. Yeah. That's, I think our industry got away from that for a few years. Yeah. Like that, that big mixology boom when everybody just wanted to be a mixologist. Mm. They got away from that experience, man. Everybody started worrying about the cocktails and a little bit too much. Don't get me wrong. You have to make a great cocktail. You have to make something that is pleasing to your people. But I know some of the best bartenders that I will never go to their bars. I actually know some of the shittiest bartenders, and I'll sit at their, at their bar all day because I'm going to have a good time. And I yeah. think that's what we care. That's what we need to get back to a little bit more, making people have a good time. When you walk through that door, you need to feel better when you walk back out than you did when you came in. And that's that's always been my yeah. focus, you know what I mean, in this industry, just making people feel good. I always loved uh, the tiki bar mentality, where mm-hmm. the tiki bar was always about escapism. Mm-hmm. Like, the tiki bar drinks are sometimes come off as sweet i like the bars that like really can really balance balance it out and and not just follow the old classic recipe but like Mm -hmm. alter it in a Mm -hmm. way to to balance in that in in some way but uh excuse me if that just offended a pile of tiki yeah yeah but but the the mentality of tiki bars is always like you're coming in here and now you're going off to a tropical place somewhere And you're not going to look at your watch. You're going to forget about all your worries. Mm-hmm. It could be like a blizzard in Cleveland. <laughs> yep. But you're in this yep. bar right now. Porco and, Lounge. And Cleveland. you are loving life. Yep. You're not looking at your watch. You're just enjoying you're yourself because you're in a new man. place. And I think that's what bars, that's what they are. I think every bar should have that mentality. Yeah, that's of like, what they are. Don't like, look at your watch. If you're having a good time, do you look at your watch? Not at all. Exactly. Are you, or are you looking at your phone? Like, no, yeah. phone's down. We're just hanging and having a good time. Like, yeah. that's... That's the culture I wanted to get back to. That's the, what the culture of Brown and Balance is. Like, you forget what time it is. You don't know if it's day or night anymore. You're just having a good time. You're just dancing. You're hearing good music, great cocktails, and just good vibes and good people. Yeah, mm-hmm. brilliant. So, uh, talked about the future of Brown and Balance. Yes. What's the future for you? I don't know yet. Like, I ne- again, I never saw me being who I am in this industry now. So, like, I don't know yet, man. I, uh... I don't want to own a bar anymore. That that was a goal at one point until I became a partner in a bar. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, not doing that anymore. Um, <laughs> um, I'm moving into content spaces, similar to what you're yep. doing. Um, author, the Brown and Balance cocktail book is coming out soon. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chronicling the first five years. When's that coming? Uh, if I get disciplined, maybe September, October. So when's it coming then? So it's September, October. Oh, so you're getting disciplined. <laughs> I'm going to get disciplined. Yeah, Because right. I, I have everything. I just got to format it yeah. together. So that's coming. And then um, I don't know yet, man. I just, I'm just i just living right now. Like right now, everything about me is about my kids. And I'm just enjoying, like especially my oldest son. Um, he was with me when Josh was young, wild Josh. And to see him becoming the man he is, you know what I mean? I did my job and I'm, I'm watching him grow. My younger two, I'm watching them grow into their own. And I'm kind of at home a little bit now. Like, the good thing about Brown and Balance is I, I can make my own schedule. So That's I'm cool. more so pouring in the family and, and, and just really just sitting at home and just watching them grow, man. And all the work I did 10, 15 years ago is starting to come to fruition in them because they're, they're growing into amazing people. So be dad for a little while and then, you know, who knows? That's great. So if somebody were coming into Chicago for the first time, yeah, they're here for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Where do they go? What well, do they do? Well, one, you got to come 16th Street Bar on a Friday night and hang out with me. Got to do that. Um, if you want food, you got to come out to the south side, man. It's, it's It's got a bad rap. You know, the news portrays a lot of things, but there's some really dope hidden gems out south. You got to come get you some Harold's Chicken. Um, you got to come get you some Limbs Barbecue. And then you got to take the bar trek on 75th Street and start at State Street, which is basically the middle of the city. And you go from State Street all the way east to the lakefront. It's about 15 to 20 just legendary historic lounges here in Chicago. Apartment Lounge, 50-yard line, President's Lounge. And just really just get immersed with the people. And then after you do all that real cool stuff, then you come downtown and do the touristy stuff. You know what cool. I mean? Hit the bean, hit Magnificent Mile, definitely do some shopping. That's my problem. I shop too much, but, you know, you do that. But come get immersed really in the city. Like, find somebody like a me and just really come and hang out and have a good time. And just see the part of Chicago that you don't see all the time. You know, yeah. you always see down here, you see United Center, Wrigley Field, all that. Come out to Comiskey. I'm always going to call it Comiskey. It'll never be whatever they call it now. I think that's the way about stadiums. It's like yeah. the person that really yeah. gets the I value is whoever <laughs> builds it. Yeah, I've whoever never sponsors it. it afterwards mm-hmm. is ruined. So yeah. in Toronto, we have the Sky Dome. Right. 
but it's called like the Rogers Center now. Right. And we have the ACC, which is where the Raptors and the Leafs play. Okay. And but it was something else. It's back now in the day. no, it's ACC. It's the ACC. Oh, well, it was Maple Leaf Gardens, but okay. then it changed venues. It moved locations. Okay. And it was ACC Air Canada Center. Wow. And now it's Scotia Bank Arena. Yeah, I'm not. And it was yeah. just like no, n- no. Like it's the USA. I'll never. It's always gonna be Comiskey Park. That's yeah. my dad. Rest in peace. Took me to Comiskey Park. Yeah. I'm always gonna call it that. Never again. But come out and just have a good time. Like just. Explore different parts of the city, especially for us in this industry. We go to different cities, and we all go to the same seven bars, no matter what city you're in, right? We go to New York, everybody goes to Dare Rabbit. We're yeah. going to do that. I have a great time there. But when I go to New York, I love going uptown. I go to 67 Orange Street, and I hang out there. Right. Or, yeah, you 67 know, Orange is I good. I love 67 Orange. Like, I want to go to different places. That, I haven't been there in a while, that but yeah, I really good. like the culture mm. of the city. You know what I mean? That's where I want it. That's where I always – or the um, Marcio's Bar, the uh, Honeywell. Mm-hmm. I want to go there. I want to go to places where it's people that are from the city who really embody what that city is. I want to check those places out. Yeah. So I always tell people, when you come to Chicago, don't listen to the news. <laughs> don't listen to uh, social media. Find somebody that knows the city like I do or you know, a few of my friends, and we'll have you some of the best places in the city. So when you come back this summer, Genius. Yo, we on the lakefront, I'll man. be back in September. Say no problem. Where right when the book comes out, right? All right, genius. You know what I mean? We'll do it, man. We'll get you out on the motorcycles and we'll have some fun. Done. Cool. Uh, social media, context, yeah. how can people find you? Easy. Mr. Mixologist on social media, on Instagram, uh, M-R-M-I-X-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Brown and Balance on Instagram, B-R-O-W-N-A-N-D-B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D. That's on everything. Genius. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Oh, new no, new logos coming soon. New logo I'm upgrading. We're doing some different things for Brown and Balance. So hats are coming soon, merch, all of that. Brilliant. I can't wait for it all, man. I've followed your success, followed Thank what you. you're doing. I love what you're doing because you do you. it from the heart. And, Absolutely. You know, always and you, really authentic. You've been a part of that. You've helped through the years. We've talked. We've, yeah. we've hung out. You've brought me to different things. I was looking at the video the other day from uh, BCB. Uh, of a couple of years ago, so thank you no for everything worries. you've done for me, man, for real. Always. I appreciate you, it. Love, bro. Love you. Love you, man.
Have you ever had this experience? Uh, so working on a bar with, with multiple people, mm. we were making crazy cocktails. It was the last bar I worked in before uh, I went to Hennessy. Mm. Uh, my head bartender, still one of my best friends, also named Jordan, so super confusing. <laughs> but uh, he was a lefty. Oh, shit. And so right. every time you want to help each other out, mm -hmm. he would come over, but he would always put the rail back in opposite. the opposite, the opposite order. Way. And so you'd go to <laughs> yep. like pick something up, and you'd be like, that's not my vodka yep. anymore. Yeah. yeah. We do this. It happens here. One of, uh, one of my bartenders on Fridays, he's a lefty. So when we're putting like the juice and everything back, it's always opposite. So I end up grabbing the wrong thing every time. But it's cool. We make it through, though. Damn lefties. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody can't be perfect like us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what uh, – you had your moment – Mm -hmm. You you realized this future. What were some of those like? What were some of the pillars? The 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 moments where you feel felt like you leveled up, and you leveled up, and and where's mm -hmm. the first know, one? Where first, you going? First one, uh, I met Jackie Summers at Tales twenty, like maybe twenty ten, twenty eleven, and I met Jackie, and literally when I got home from Tales, he offered me my first brand job. So that was one. One I had never seen a black, like spirit owner before him. So that was inspiring. Um, Two, you're going to laugh. You judged the Hennessy competition I was in. I lost and I was pissed. <laughs> Sorry. I was pissed. I was so mad. It was because it was like you and Todd Apple were the judges. I said, oh, I got this in the bag. My guys are the judges. I'm going to show out. But you gave me some great advice that night because you taught me how I stretched my drink out too far. And I always remember that. And I actually use that same advice you gave me to other bartenders when they're making cocktails and they're creating about how to know your glassware and how to use that. So that was two. And I think the third one was, of course, the Big Tails incident um, that happened. And when I spoke out about that, everything that's come from that, I think that set me up for what's going on with me the last three, four years now. So those are the three things that really affected me the most in the industry. That's interesting. But I'm still was mad at you for losing that competition. I just want to let you Sorry, know. Sorry, not everybody can win. <laughs> I know, but I can't. I can't help it, man. I I'm, know. I'm the I'm the baby <clears throat> in my family. You know what I mean? Out of my big brothers, I'm the smallest one, and you know I'm not a little. Jesus guy. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I'm the little guy. I'm the smallest one, so my, I'm competitive. So I never feel like I should lose at anything. You know what I mean? So, so, so you were security because you were used to dealing with bigger guys. Yeah, always. I was the smallest guy on the security team I was in too. I was the smallest guy there. But I'm like, I'm not a little guy. That's the guy you got to worry about. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. People be like, y'all worried about the big gorillas yeah, yeah. we got? Nah, that's he's the one. He's the he's a firecracker. Yeah. He's the one that can take care of business. Look so. out for John Wick. Yeah, <laughs> for real, for real, because these hands was good, man. So, but I'm too old for that now, man. I just my son actually wants to be a bouncer, and I told him, don't do it. It's not gonna be worth it. It's not it. worth it. It's not not, especially not anymore. It's not things as fun. Have, yeah. Things have escalated. They, times are different. You know, I was doing it in the early 2000s. It's not like it was. There's so. video cameras now. Exactly. Everywhere. And now everybody has a gun, and it's just too much going yeah. on in the world. So if you want to be in this business, be a barback, <laughs> and then be yeah. a server, and then work your way up to bartender, and then I'll show you everything else you need to know. Yeah, I think with a good head on your shoulders. I, I, I had so many friends mm -hmm. that wanted in. Um, whether it was long term or just for you know quick money while going mm -hmm. to school, I taught them, you know, the basics. I said, you don't need bartending school. Mm -mm. Like, you're you're gonna learn you drinks don't. that you're yeah. never I going so many to drinks in my head. I've never made that you're never gonna like. I had somebody walk into the club and order a yellow bird. I was like, Whoosh. you just went to bartending <laughs> yeah. school, didn't you? Yeah, because no one's ordering Nobody's that. Nobody's ordering yeah. that ever. The one thing though, I did like for me because in the early days. For bartending school, it was good. It taught me speed, efficiency, how to set up my 